0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host Andy Mitz. Tonight we are uh, recapping some of the news that's happened for both the Jayhawks and kind of the rest of the college sports world. Um, obviously, a lot has kind of happened here with COVID that affects both. Football and basketball already at this point. So to tell me, kind of talk about that. I have Steve Fetch, our best editor over at Rock Chalk Talk, um, joining me tonight. Fetch, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's been quite a while since we've actually talked on here with all the all the vacation and all the other kind of weird stuff happening. But uh, you know, I guess I, let's let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, first of all, were you surprised with the number of conferences that have decided to go ahead and push off? The season and you know supposedly are going to try for a spring football season um, whether that actually happens or not is, is a completely different matter or do you think that everybody including the big 12 should have gone ahead and just followed their lead
1: i mean i'm, I'm kind of surprised because obviously if there's one thing that you know major college athletics uh, have taught us over the course of the last well i guess you know 50 years or so it's that they're beholden to money first and foremost and um obviously the the TV contracts are huge and, and the attendance is huge and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I did kind well, yes and no kind of thought that they would find a way to, to shoehorn a season in. Um, I definitely, you know, if, if you followed anything that I've said about this on Twitter, um, I, I think they should probably not be uh, doing anything. Um, you know, it's been proven that, you know, well, I, I guess so far anyway, that bubble um, situations can work with, uh, what the NBA and, and NHL and MLS have done. Um, but, it's, you know, it's a lot different when you're talking about professional athletes getting paid pretty handsomely to to do this versus, you know, college kids getting paid nothing to do it. So uh, I don't know that that would really work for college. Um, as we've seen in baseball, you know, it's a lot different when uh, teams are traveling around and kind of try to do things as normal, but just with no fans. Um, and then when you add in all of the, you know, contact that football players have both in practice and during games the roster size stuff like that it it just doesn't seem very prudent uh to be playing games so kind of kind of yes surprised because of the money thing but no surprise just because of you know all of the health risks involved
0: yeah i mean i i think i'm kind of of two different minds here because i mean I, i agree that it's definitely riskier to play the season um and you know with the exception of basically Miami at the very beginning and St. Louis, who can't seem to figure anything out at all. Like, it's actually gone fairly well for the MLB even. Like, you know, they had some issues at the beginning with people not following the protocols that they had. Um, but once people actually started following the protocols, it seems like they've pretty much gotten most of it under control, um, at least as much as you can in terms of kind of a, a pandemic thing. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Um, you know, if the schools are, are taking the appropriate precautions, giving people the opportunities to keep themselves safe and to do as much as they possibly can to avoid getting it, I, I won't think that, especially with a lot of these, these college guys, I'm not saying that they should be forcing them to play, um, but I, I do think that in a lot of cases, it's probably, you know, easier access to, to good health care if something does happen to them, and also, you know, probably the, a better possibility to keep themselves you know, as far away from getting it as as you can reasonably do that. Because, you know, like, I mean, I I ended up getting it and I didn't do anything against what the guidelines were. So like, it's going to happen to people eventually. And I, of course, I understand, um, you know, kind of the issues of all of these different people that are gonna be playing a sport in close proximity. Um, But I also think that as the testing gets better, and you know, as long as they have a protocol that seems to be working, it's very, fairly similar to the the type of testing protocol that they're looking at for things like the NFL. Um, like, uh, yeah, I, I realize it's not, it's not perfect. Um, but I also kind of do think that there's enough pressure from the players that want to play, you know, the, the athletic administration people that really kind of need this to happen um, and enough fans kind of pushing for this, that I think it was inevitable that at least someone was going to try. I think the thing that surprised me the most is, you know, I, I figured that we were going to get all the power five conferences going um, and that they were going to go ahead and get it started, and then somebody was going to, you know, some team was going to come down with a big infection, <laughs> like three weeks in or something like that, and then everyone's going to reevaluate, and then you'd have what's going on here where people would decide to go ahead and shut it down because of the potential risk. The one thing I think that kind of changed the, the narrative on this and really pushed the Big Ten and the Pac-12 was the stories that are coming out about the, you know, the, the myocardial, uh, basically the heart conditions that seem to be happening more frequently after someone has covid um, it still is kind of one of those minor minor in terms of the the percentage chance minor reactions uh, it doesn't seem to happen very often but just the fact that there is something you know besides death that is that that kind of scary and can cause those sorts of problems in people that are supposed to be otherwise healthy like I think I think that was kind of the final push pr wise that some of the that some of the conferences needed to decide to go ahead and shut it down and I mean, I'm not surprised like the FCS conferences or even some of the G5 leagues that, you know, there's not nearly as much money in it for them, so they can't really afford to do the, the super rigorous testing policies or things like that. Like, I, I wasn't surprised that they went ahead and did it um, and, and, went, and went ahead and canceled, but I was expecting more, more of the conferences to go ahead and push forward.
1: Yeah, I think well I guess I haven't really seen it it was my understanding, I can't find the link right now, but it's my understanding those heart things were a little bit more widespread um in terms of the likelihood of it happening. Uh, and obviously there's, you know, varying levels of severity. Um but there's a lot of, you know, studies coming out of like Spain now too where it's like uh there's a lot of people are developing brain issues as well. Um oh, yeah. I'm no doctor, but uh I think the brain and heart are like somewhat important. <laughs> So uh, I just think that it's, you know, a little bit irresponsible to just shoot kids out there in the, the middle of a pandemic. Um, and again, it's, it's one thing if it's, you know, you've got a um, a players union and people are, you know, bargaining for wages and uh, you know, agreeing to do it if they get paid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, this is more, you know, telling kids what to do and, and not not having them get paid for the, The pleasure of, uh, you know, basically being the the bread and circuses for us during this uh, pandemic. Um, You know, I I think that um, I keep coming back to a quote from uh, Sean Doolittle, who's a reliever for, I want to say the Nationals now, if I remember correctly. Um, Basically said something to the effect of, you know, sports are a reward for a functioning society. And, and, you know, frankly, we don't really have a functioning society right now. So I don't think we should be you know worrying about sports when there's plenty of other stuff but um yeah as long as we're having the conversation I mean I I think that you know Trevor Lawrence the quarterback for Clemson brought up you know some pretty good points that like yeah a lot of these kids are from you know not great areas and um you know there's probably not going to be social distancing if they go home you know they're probably living with extended family who are going to work at you know wherever that that is not doing social distancing and stuff like that so um, they may or may not be uh, safer uh, on campus, but, um, you know, then then you add, what, you know, 30,000 regular students, and what are they going to do? Not go out. Obviously, they're going to go out, um, and so, you know, they're going to probably get it that way, and then they're going to be around, you know, 85 of their teammates and, and spread it around
0: there. So, uh, I just think, you know, well, I, that, I feel for... But but that's also part of it, because a lot of, especially the higher, you know, the the higher level conferences, they are going to go almost entirely online in terms of classes. Like, they're, they're, I've even heard of some ridiculousness of, you know, they're bringing guy, or kids in to go into the dorms, and then everyone's going to do their classes online. Like, there are definitely a lot of ways that they can kind of get it set up to try to minimize the contact and do those sorts of things. And there's going to be even a, a lot of people, I think, that are going to be attending school virtually, and not even come into to, to, to the college campus. Like, I don't think it's I don't think it's a, a you know a blanket policy that they're definitely going to come into contact with a whole bunch of people I think there's definitely a lot of a lot of guys who will be more isolated being able to come to campus and you know having a small group of people that they're interacting with frequently um you know again I like I don't think it's as cut and dry as a lot of people are trying to make it um but you know even if kind of the argument about well you can't just put all of the athletes in a bubble because you know then you're treating them differently than the other students that that happens anyway like you know, as much as people want to talk about the fact that they're, that they are, you know, amateurs, and they're trying to te- treat them just like other students, they do not, they give them all kinds of extra benefits. And I'm not saying it, it you know, makes up for all the money that they're actually making the schools. But we already don't treat them like every other student anyway. And so, you know, the fact that they would potentially put them up or, or you know, create a bubble or things like that, like, I, I don't see how that's necessarily any different than what we already do for these guys, other than we're going to try to, you know, have them kind of go with the best medical advice and not come into contact with a whole bunch of people like a normal student might be tempted to do anyway. And so, again, like I, I definitely agree with you that you know the whole not paying them and trying to make a whole bunch of money off of them in this type of environment is definitely a troubling look. Um, but I also don't necessarily buy into the agreement that you know they're going to they're going to um, essentially make these guys do things that are much that are inherently more dangerous. Because they're probably when they're in whatever athletic bubble they're setting up for these guys, like they're probably not going to come into as as, you know as much contact with people as they would if they were just living their daily lives, either at home or trying to be on campus mingling with all the other students. All right. Any other final thoughts about
1: that before we move on? Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I guess just just um, you know briefly to to finish what I was saying. Like I, I these schools are in. Um, Obviously a horrible spot because there's not, I mean, there's not really a great answer, I don't think. Um, It's certainly, you know, they're getting multiple terrible choices kind of foisted on them and and kind of whatever they decide is probably going to backfire one way or another. So uh, definitely, you know, definitely do not envy the position that they're in uh, right now at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I I honestly, I think it's one of those things we can't even say with any kind of certainty right now, whether the big, T- whether the big 10 and PAC 12 are doing it correctly, or if the big 12, the SEC and the ACC are doing it correctly, because there's so many different things, they, you know, even their own situations are completely different. Um, so I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's a little weird <laughs> that they're all doing different things. It obviously shows some of the issues with the current college system that there's not one governing body that can kind of dictate what everyone needs to do. Um, but i think it also kind of shows you know just how how little we actually know for sure about the way this virus works and what the best course of action is because you know KU medical professionals seem to have given the Big 12 enough information that they were comfortable moving forward whereas it seems like the Big 10 and Pac 12 medical professionals are getting enough information that they're not comfortable moving forward and i don't think it's just a matter of risk tolerance from the two different groups i do think that there's probably disagreement in terms of the medical you know, the the medical thoughts on just what the implications are, what is safe, what they can reasonably do, and all those sorts of things. All right, I don't want to turn this into a completely COVID podcast because I do want to kind of talk about the schedules that we do have. But any other final thoughts before we move on? Uh, no, I'll turn it. All right, okay. So, obviously, the Big 12 football schedule came out um and – you know, looking at it specifically for for Kansas, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of differences. They shuffled a couple of the dates around, um, but it, I mean, looking at the way that this was set up, first of all, have have you really spent any time at all looking at it to kind of see what what came through on it, or or did you kind of just see, oh, hey, they're actually going to play? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I saw that what they
1: host Texas in like late November or whatever. Um, right,
0: that, November twenty first, kind
1: of. Yeah, that kind of stood out to me, obviously, given, you know, their history with Texas recently anyway, uh, that time of the year. Um, That's really the only uh, thing I remember, though, to be completely honest with you.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I'm looking looking forward to the final three games because they have a three-game stretch after their last bye where they're hosting Texas, then they're hosting TCU, and then they're going on the road to Texas Tech. And that—I mean—that Texas Tech game is probably the most winnable game on their schedule, if not maybe the the road game against Baylor at the very beginning of the conference season, um, depending on what you think Baylor is going to do. You know, but that's a stretch there. Where unless the wheels have completely fallen off, you you have to think they're going to be competitive in all three of those games and probably have a good shot at winning one or two of them at least. Um, You know, I'm I'm of the opinion that Kansas is going to upset Texas this year and going to end up getting Tom Herman fired. So I am definitely looking forward to the fact that that is right there. I would have loved it if it was the finale, so they could really kind of send them out that way. But um, you know, I mean, I, I definitely think that this the schedule is probably about the best you could hope for. Um, you know, and the fact that it has those two bye weeks built in, and plus an extra one where they can shift games to on on twelve twelve if they absolutely have to. Um, you know, I think it sets up really really nice to allow us to actually get a season in. Um, you know, assuming that there's not a gigantic spike in COVID cases. You know, say in the middle of october yeah i you know i i
1: am skeptical that they'll play a season but take taking all that out of it um i will say it would be kind of funny if kansas just like kept getting texas coaches fired by beating them
0: Uh, like once every four years
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and also for really the first time um honestly since i like i mean obviously I, i remember watching the orange bowl and was definitely a fan but i wasn't like a a huge, well, I guess, you know, we still, we know my, you know, relationship with college football and how much I like it or whatever. But, you know, for the right. first time in, you uh, know, since I can remember, um, I'm confident that Kansas is going to get better from game one to, you know, game however many that they end up playing. Um, I can't remember ever thinking that. Um, I also, you know, we can, if we, if you want to talk about the latest, you know, recruiting hot streak that they're kind of on, um, it, it seems like yeah, they're. Definitely. Uh, you know, seems like they're reeling in like actual guys that they want and not just, you know, guys that, you know, okay, we whiffed on our first, you know, 17 targets. Let's go get this guy who like, you know, has two Mac offers and, you know, and, and or is a, a Juco guy to so that we just need to plug a hole with. Like seems like they're actively going out and uh, identifying guys that they want um who can, you know, fill roles for them and be there for four years and develop over those course of, of four years and, You know, I just think that as long as they kind of have their current staff, or or frankly, as long as they have uh, less miles at the helm, because, you know, whatever fastball he's lost uh, as a head coach, guys still want to play for him, guys still want to work for him. Um, So that's valuable. So I I just think as long as that is in place, um, you know, they're going to be able to develop guys. and, And frankly, I think be, you know, maybe a consistent, you know, Kansas obviously has never been a consistent bowl team over the course of their history, but just a, a consistent a team that's consistently gonna you know challenge to
0: be in bowl games i guess yeah i mean that's really what you're hoping for like that's the next step for them to get to is to get to the point where they're consistently winning for at least four or five games so that they're you know getting to the end of the year and having an opportunity to make it to a bowl game um, and then obviously making it every once in a while at least um you know the the the, the big recruit that committed since the last episode that we had was to alexander and from what I understand, he's always been a huge Les Miles fan. And so, like, it made it really easy, I think, for him to to commit to Kansas. And, you know, he's a guy that is probably going to stick, uh, whereas some of these other guys you may have to worry about, you know, potentially continued recruiting and, and you know, maybe pulling them away before signing day. But DeMarion Alexander seems like a very, very strong commit uh, to Kansas. And it's directly because of Les Miles, you know, and kind of what they have there. Um, but like you said, you know, this staff has been phenomenal. Brent Deerman has – done a lot to really kind of excite a lot of the recruits that have been coming in. Most of the, the offensive recruits that have really kind of talked to Kansas uh, have from everything that I've been able to see and kind of, you know, all, all the stuff that I've been hearing, they've been really excited about what Brent Deerman means to the school and what he's going to be able to bring. So it's going to be important to hold on to him for as long as possible. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, getting him set up as to kind of be the next head coach in waiting or, you know, kind of giving him whatever he needs to be successful. Like the, the hope is obviously that he doesn't like you know break out here in the next next year and a half or so and then decide that he's ready to move on to a a a, a better job. Um, you know if they can hold on to Brent Deerman and really kind of build their their offensive identity around what he wants to do, that's going to set Kansas up to at least be competitive and to really start to bring in a bunch of guys. But you know like it has been impressive that they've been able to get this class as quickly as they have. They still only have 18 commits. They have seven you know room for seven more. I believe every single one of their recruits so far in this class is a a high school guy instead of a a junior college guy. Um, Yeah. Just, just looking through, they are currently ranked number 41 according to 24 seven sports. Um, You know, so, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big jump to be basically a top 40 recruiting class right now at this point They're they're fourth in the big 12. So they've been doing an excellent job, you know, as long as they don't, as long as the bottom doesn't fall out from all of their, games this year you know then then I I don't think they're going to have a problem maintaining that that recruiting momentum so it'll be really interesting to kind of see what they can do there so all right any other final thoughts on football before we take a break and then head over to basketball well
1: I I will say just real quick you mentioned Brent Um, I really I guess I you know have maybe too much of a habit of uh, falling in love too quickly so to speak but uh, I really do think he's probably going to end up being the guy who takes over uh, for less miles. I mean, you look at him; he's impressed uh, everywhere he's ever been. Um, everyone obviously seems to to like him. Um, I'm not I'm not sure how old he is, but he's you know obviously a pretty young guy, especially in terms of like coaching uh, coaching years. So he's a guy who you know potentially could be that guy that you know you're thinking about like David Beatty. Uh, ideally, could have been where you know he's there for you know forever basically, um, and is. You know, not not that he's ever going to have, I don't think, these kind of results. But like you're kind of Bill Snyder, where he's you know synonymous with KU football, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, that's kind of the, you know, the hope obviously that you're that you're going to find a guy like that, because um, KU, you know, is never going to get you know, whatever Nick Saban in the prime of his career, or even I don't think you know the the tip-top up-and-coming you know G5 or or you know power-five offensive coordinator type or whatever they're going to have to. Get a guy like Brent Deerman, you know, identify right. him early, et cetera, et cetera, and so you know that's the dream. And I think that you know, uh, frankly, I think they should they should take a swing uh, on a guy like that because you know you don't have to pay him a ton, and uh, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, kind of like you know with Beatty. Although it, it's not going to be that bad, you know. Let's be honest. No, but, right, um, right. You know, you know, you you take a you take a shot at it, and and I think you you know hopefully could have something there, and, and certainly early returns with how the offense has been um has been really good and and that's with you know a, a talent base that you know was quite a bit lower than a lot of big 12 schools so once he gets you know even like middle of the pack big 12 talent i'm pretty excited to see what he can do with uh with the offense
0: yeah i mean and he's only been he's only been coaching um at the college level like he 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 coached at bethel college um in 2007 i believe that was as a, as, as a graduate assistant um, you know, but in terms of coaching in college, he's only been coaching since the 2013-14 season at Auburn in college. So he hasn't been coaching for very long. You know, he's been identified as kind of kind of a, an offensive, you know, phenom essentially in terms of the way that he gets everything set up. There's a lot of excitement. The only, The only concern you have with a guy like him is not that he's going to flame out. It's that he's going to do such a good job before Les Miles is ready to retire that he's going to decide to move on because he's going to get an opportunity with a fairly good program, you know that he can take a step up and take his first head coaching job up at the FBS level. Um, like that, that would be the main concern. But obviously, the hope is that he is able to entrench himself in this staff quickly enough, and that they promise him enough early enough. You know that he is he's really, really, you know, intent on staying here and getting that opportunity to be the head coach here at Kansas. Because you know that would be absolutely phenomenal. I think for him, it'd be phenomenal for us. It would be a great opportunity for him to really make his name to help get the Jayhawks turned around as their offensive coordinator and then move that into being their head coach and at least making them a respectable program. Like, that would, that would kind of cement his, his legacy, at least in this area, you know, if not kind of a more of a widespread area, if he's able to do that successfully. And so he definitely has a real good opportunity here. And, of course, you and I, I think, both kind of really kind of fell in love with the way that he approaches the game, the way that he approaches coaching for, for Kansas you know i've I've definitely chatted back and forth with him just kind of the generic you know over over twitter kind of interactions where you know I'm like, yeah great you know great job coach and he you know sends back a a gif or something like that um you know all that fun like just the the normal kind of you know fan interaction he loves to interact with fans, you can tell and really kind of enjoys what he's doing here and is is living a, a really really great life right now for him so all right, um, let, we're going to go ahead and move over to basketball because the announcements have also affected the basketball season and we kind of know what everyone's going to have coming back for this year. So, but, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chuck Podcast. And we're back. All right, so along with the news that they were canceling football or I guess postponing football to hopefully a spring season, the Pac-12 announced that they will not have any basketball non-conference games before January 1st of 2021, which that causes problems for Kansas because they have two games on the schedule against Colorado and USC, um, you know, that, that are going to end up being canceled there. That also means that UCLA is not going to be at the Wooden Classic uh, or the Wooden Legacy Classic. I forget what the actual name of the tournament is, um, but that was, a you know, that, that has actually put that entire tournament um, event um, into question right now. Um, so it's definitely going to have some sort of implications for what Kansas is doing in the non-conference. Um, I guess my question for you, kind of similar to what we did before, are you, are you surprised that the Pac-12 is the first one already starting to make these decisions? Or did you think they would try to wait a little bit longer? Um, and ultimately, do you think that this is kind of the route that more people are going to go with the way that, that uh, you know, kind of the, the, the COVID stuff is going right now? And the fact that basketball is an indoor sport instead of an outdoor sport?
1: Yeah. Well, so I, I was, uh, I was driving for, for work today, so I didn't see the full thing, but Matt Vorlander was tweeting some stuff that Mark Emmert said. And, uh, it sounds like they're pretty uh, committed to trying to do like a bubble for the 2021 NCAA tournament, um, right. which, you know, I don't think you can do for like a full season type bubble thing, but yeah, like an NCAA tournament thing. Um, I definitely, uh, definitely think that you can, uh, try to do like a bubble type deal. Um, because it's, you know, it's neutral site stuff anyway. Um, They're kind of getting transferred to like these bubbles for the tournament anyway. So it's like, you know, as long as they're quarantined or whatever for, you know, the problem obviously is, is, you know, you should really be quarantined for two weeks prior to really doing anything. So that's going to throw off the calendar. But um, I think that that has a little bit more chance uh, of working. The issue is going to be, you know, what happens with the regular season. Uh, If anything, like you said, you know, basketball being an indoor sport, um yeah so 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 what i've heard for that
0: is that the plan right now kind of high level is that like what what they are preparing to be able to do if they need to do a bubble is they essentially have four bubbles one for each regional where they would set it up and over the course of like a week or so they would go through all the games for that particular regional um and then have basically two weeks in between or not 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 two full weeks but like I, i think a full week to go directly from that bubble. To wherever the final four bubble is going to be which i believe it's atlanta this year I, i might be wrong on that um and then have a bubble there for the final four and and the national championship game and play those when they normally would but kind of set everything up in a bubble there there have been talk about especially the bigger conferences kind of doing conference play bubbles where they would essentially have you know two bubbles um at two different spots in the year so like they would have Essentially, everybody goes and does their round robin or their first half of the schedule in one location and maybe have two of those set up on different campuses or something like to that effect. And doing two two different spots of those and just play a bunch of games, do coursework online. So there's been a lot of potential options kind of thrown out if they need to go that route to make sure that they get conference games in so they can actually have the, the NCAA tournament. But obviously, they have a little bit more time to kind of get this set up. And I do think that most of the conferences are trying to salvage some sort of non-conference play at this point, because we still do have, you know, a good two and a half months or so before conference or before non-conference play is supposed to start.
1: Yeah. You, you know, who knows, I guess it's kind of the, the theme of the day. Um, I yeah, have much. a hard time seeing anything, anything being played on campus uh, this year, have a hard time seeing anything, you know, being played with fans, uh, especially inside, you know, cause it's just, uh a lot of stuff has come out about how you know difficult it is to um you know do stuff inside and and not get it i guess basically uh, right. especially with a ton of people so um all that probably is not going to happen i wouldn't think uh oh yeah and and by the way uh 2029 final four uh indianapolis 2020 was supposed to be in atlanta okay uh, that's where that's kansas, what i was thinking yeah where kansas would have won the national championship but um, I, I wonder, you know, what they're going to do if, if they do, you know, end up doing this final four in Indianapolis, if they keep it in Lucas Oil Stadium, um, which is, you know, obviously a gigantic uh, dome um, or right, if they put no it in there, in, you know, okay. whatever. But yeah, I, I would think that you would want to put it, you know, maybe like where the Pacers play or or even like a, you know, like a Hinkle field house where Butler plays or
0: something like that um, just to, you know, have an actual sight line. Yeah. I would imagine that they're probably going to find a different venue, um, you know, and they'll probably have all the contingencies kind of set up for that. But, um, you know, a lot of the things that we kind of talked about last year before they ended up canceling everything about what they could potentially do, you know, if you, if you played conference tournaments or the NCAA tournament without fans, you know, would you move it from the big venues? I think they're going to start having those conversations probably now, honestly, at this point, um, since it is a possibility they're going to have to make some, some of those sorts of changes. So if they're not having the conversations now about what kind of stuff they will do, then somebody really needs to lose their job over that because they should have been talking about it probably about two or three months ago, um, you know, because obviously they have to like the, the NCAA has already lost out on one of the of the com, or of the basketball tournaments they cannot afford financially to lose two of them consecutively because they're already having to do a lot of different juggling just to make sure that financially the NCAA doesn't suffer and all the member institutions don't suffer because of it so um, there's a lot of work to be done there you know football is kind of its own thing the the actual NCAA office doesn't really you know and that I think that's part of the reason you haven't seen them lead on anything like this because honestly they can't do anything the money's not tied up under them. You know, they don't really have, they don't sponsor the championship for it. So it's not like the football side of it, at least up at the Division One level, is anything that the NCAA is going to worry about. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Basketball is their thing. It's their big event. They're going to make sure it goes on this year. They didn't have the opportunity to plan beforehand for last year's opportunity or for last year's tournament. They, they better make sure that they get a tournament in this year, though.
1: Yeah, this is, you know,
0: obviously, you know, like you said, this
1: is the, the big money event. We can talk about football until the cows come home. But in terms of single events, you know, nothing beats uh, March Madness. So uh, they're definitely, I think, going to be trying to figure out a way to, to do it uh, for sure. So
0: Agreed. So, so final thing I want to talk to you about, um, and just real quick, because obviously we still don't have a ton of information. I mean, and obviously we're not going to know about non-conference games for sure for quite a while. Um, but, you know, um, the Big 12 and I guess most college basketball teams know who's coming back because the, the deadline to withdraw from the, the NBA draft college wise has already passed. There's some shenanigans that could potentially go on where somebody who has already said they're coming back could decide to actually declare for the NBA draft again because the NBA has not, their, their deadline has not passed. But for the most part, I think it's safe to assume that everybody that is saying they're coming back now is probably going to be coming back. Um, you know that means that if, if I'm looking at the most recent projections for what's coming up, the Big 12 looks like it's going to be absolutely loaded this year with Baylor, West Virginia, Texas, Kansas, you know, Texas Tech. Just those five. Last I saw, I believe they were all in like the top 12 or 15 in terms of projections for this next year. So we don't really need to go into too much detail. But do you do you agree with the prevailing thought that Baylor is going to be the favorite in the Big 12 and should be the favorite in the Big 12? And just how much of a dogfight do you think it's going to be for whoever ends up actually winning the conference?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Actually, you know, so I'm looking at Torvik right now. There's one, two, three, four, five Big 12 teams in the top 10 of the uh, 2021 preseason rankings, which is insane. Um, Actually, he's got, so he's got West Virginia at one, um, which I don't agree with. I mean, I definitely think they're going to be good. Obviously, Shibwe and and Derek Culver are both back. Uh, Definitely the best front court in the Big 12, but. Uh, Unless they got a lot of new guards, um, I don't really think that it's, you know, going to happen for them. Um, You know, Miles McBride had a nice freshman year, but um, it's one thing to be a kind of a freshman, you know, bit player uh, to like a go-to guy. Um, You know, obviously Jordan McCabe, um, you know, probably the worst (laughs) point guard in the conference. Um, So, you know, they, they need a lot of help um, in terms of the backcourt. I guess they do have, uh, you know, Emmett Matthews. He was, uh you know okay as a freshman and then you know again struggled as a sophomore when he kind of had to try to go up in terms of minutes and and uh roll so that's going to be the big thing um texas is actually a team that i uh kind of have circled for a while as the the team that i think is going to be really good you know matt coleman turned himself into a really nice point guard um andrew jones obviously really good jericho sims really good um you know Cordy Ramey is back he's also really good you know so they just have a ton of really really good players um who knows if Shaka Smart can put it all together but you know I kind of like their team last year even though they didn't have a great record I just
0: kind of like their their plan on offense and some of the things they did on defense so uh, I definitely well, I like them last um, year that kind of really grew into themselves as the season went along it looked like they were going to have a horrible year and then you know, I think despite Shaka's best efforts, they were able to kind of get it turned around and really put them in position to make sure. it a tournament last year. And so the question sure. is going to be, can they build on that or, you know, is is what we think of Shaka going to kind of take over and keep them from getting to where they need to be this year?
1: Yeah. So I, I actually, you know, I think I am probably going to go, um, you know, against maybe the consensus and pick Texas to, to win the league. But I do like Baylor as well. Obviously, you know, getting Jared Butler back is is huge. Um, I think what Mark Vidal, I think, is, is back again, right? I think he's a senior. He's a guy who, um, you know, is one of those guys who, you know, if Bill Self could pick a guy off pretty much anyone in the league, he'd probably pick him just because he's like a basically a football player played basketball with how he attacks the glass and plays defense. Um, you know, if Tristan Clark can have a, a bounce-back season. You know, he was really good as a junior – or as a uh, – excuse me, as a sophomore and then kind of sucked as a junior. If he can bounce back, you know, I could definitely see Baylor uh, winning the league, and then Texas Tech is the uh, the fourth team that's ahead of Kansas. Kansas actually fifth in the in the preseason, you know, Big 12. Texas Tech's another team that I um, I don't really know, you know, I I, I kind of have to see it from him. You know, Chris Beard is usually, you know, since he's been at Texas Tech, been a guy who's kind of taken transfers and and taken guys who are kind of already, you know, good and made them a little bit better. You know, I don't think that he's taken guys and like super developed them uh, other than jared culver really so you know he's got a bunch of uh, young guys now and, and it's going to be a matter of you know how well they can play and, and it's, you know it's different playing with a bunch of young guys versus you know playing with a bunch of um of
0: veterans so uh, yeah i think i think marks. beard is has been really good about taking individual pieces and sticking them together in ways that help them to play better than you know the sum of the actual piece in individual pieces so it's not that he necessarily develops them to be better it's that he's He's been really good tactically about getting them and putting them in the right spots that they can be a little bit better than you would normally think they would be. Um, This is going to obviously test him this year to see whether he can actually find stuff like that in these freshmen and get lineups that will actually work or if he's actually able to start developing guys, I think a little bit better than, than he actually has in the past. So, yeah.
1: So we'll, you know, we'll see Kansas fifth in the big 12 in this 10th overall. Um, I am, I guess, skeptical. Of them. Um, you know, Marcus Garrett is great. Can he be like the main uh guy on offense, I guess? I mean, he's gonna kinda have to be, um, just because of how much, you know, Bill self asks his lead guards to do. Um, who's that, you know, secondary scorer? Can David McCormick take a big step forward? You know, is it gonna be Christian Brown? I mean, there's just so many question marks that I, I do kind of think that they're gonna be more towards the middle of the back. Of course, last time I said that, you know, I, I basically had like death threats on Twitter. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to go down that road, uh, again, although we did have, who was it that came on the podcast after I, uh, after
0: I mentioned that? I honestly, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. Was it, was it Derek maybe? I think it was Derek Johnson. Oh, yes. Yes. I believe that that's who it was. Yes.
1: <laughs> someone, someone, oh, yes. one of, yeah, one of those ilk actually engaged with my argument, uh, in good faith, other than just being like, well, we, you know, we have
0: Bill self, which like, yeah, we do, but you know, he's,
1: he's not playing. So.
0: Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. I do remember that conversation. Yes. It, it was Derek Johnson. Actually it was the first time on the podcast. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was a, actually, I thought it was a fairly constructive conversation that there was a lot more yeah, agreement. I oh yeah. think people would think based off of kind of the position people were taking on Twitter, which obviously is the nature of Twitter with only, you know, 280 characters. And not a lot of people that really want to stick around to be criticized. <laughs> it's it's really easy, I think, to kind of miss the point or kind of go off on competing or on completely random, you know, points there. But I, I mean, I do agree that it's kind of the perfect combination of you know Kansas not being as proven as they have been in the past, They're having some pieces that they could potentially be good, but no way do you like expect them to be as good as they were last year in a lot of the facets of their game. And I, I do think the Big Twelve is just stacked this year, like. You know, the fact that there are five teams in, in Torvik's top 10 from the Big 12 is absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, and then, I mean, even like Kansas State is, is in the top 35 there and Oklahoma is sitting right there around 40. So, I mean, you know, it's still a fairly top-heavy league. Um, well, it's, it's an extremely top-heavy league this year. And so the real, the real question is going to be, can Kansas kind of wade through all of that? I would not be surprised, though, if all of these teams, as good as they are, are kind of beating each other up. And so Kansas could, like, I, I could see a case where, you know, there's three teams that actually tie for the, for the Big 12 title, and then the other two teams that are in the top half are only, like, a game behind because it could be that much of a dogfight this year. Um, I'm definitely interested to kind of see what happens and see how Bill Self is able to put this team together and what he's able to do against the rest of the Big 12. But I do think that assuming we get the whole season in, it's going to be probably as entertaining a Big 12 season as we've had in a really long time.
1: Yeah, it could be like uh, what was that, 2015? I think where Kansas won the league with like five losses. It could be, could be that.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, Fetch. Well, we've uh, we, we've actually gone a little bit longer than I had anticipated doing it, but uh, since I kind of sprung this on you, didn't give you a lot of chance. Did Did you have a random sports minute for the day, or do we just want to get out of here? Yeah. Yeah, obviously I do.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, cricket, I cricket sure. is back in full force. Um, so uh england is actually in the midst right now of their second test of a i think three test series uh against pakistan tests are obviously the ones that, that take five days so uh day two is tomorrow day one had a lot of rain so they didn't get a lot of play in because it's kind of like baseball where they can't play in the rain but uh if you can if you can find it and if you're if you're you know an intrepid internet person uh you know i don't want to get us you know Visited by the FBI by saying exactly how to, to do it. But if you are a, a good Googler, uh, you should be able to to find it pretty well. So that's, that's if you really want to
0: know, yeah. throw me a DM and I could definitely get you pointed that way. You well, yeah, sure. <laughs> he said it, not me. So. Hey, I didn't say how I would do it. I just said that I would get them pointed in the right direction. So, but yeah, okay. no, I, I mean, I have been trying to catch cricket a little bit more recently just because you know obviously there's not a whole lot else going on in sports um and so it's definitely kind of scratched the itch for me so I'm excited to kind of see what else is really out there and obviously it'll be nice when we get our own sports started back up um in in any kind of semi-normal fashion but um you know that's a good one any other sports that are getting ready to start or have been going on for a while that you think people should check out
1: well you know obviously the all the American ones you know NHL uh nba mls um i'm trying to think of you know i don't think there's really anything well i guess off rules football that's not really my jam um i do watch it like super late on saturday night some nights because it's on at you know 11 p.m our time or whatever but um that's not i don't i don't know near enough about that to even put together a sports minute
0: about it yep yep i understand all right well that's going to do it for us tonight Fetch, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go, go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any of those other ones that are out there. You can search for Rock Chalk Podcast, and you can subscribe to us there. Give us a rating and a review. Um, we absolutely love five stars and nice comments, but if not, just let me know what it is we can be doing better. We bring the podcast to you guys to get you as much information as you can, as, as we can in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want me to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. You also, if you want to be part of the podcast, you actually can leave us a message now that we are working through Anchor. Um, they actually have the ability, just go to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message. And you can actually record a message that I can bring into the episode. Um, and we can go ahead and talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about at that point. So I definitely recommend that you check it out. But uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Fetch, again, thank you for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.